Thanks for listening to Sex with Emily. On today's show, I'm joined by the host of Women of Impact and co-founder of Quest Nutrition, Lisa Bilyeu, to talk about being a strong woman in business that also supports other women, as we all should. How to work alongside your partner, but still keep it sexy and healthy. Ways you can mutually indulge in your selfish desires and why you should spend less time focusing on what's wrong with you and more time on your personal growth. All this and more. Thanks for listening. I'm here with producer Jamie. Hello. Hey, Jamie. Because we're going to talk about vaginas. Okay, you know that we try everything so you don't have to. And we get a lot of things to test. And recently, we became obsessed with these wipes and intimate wash called Diodoc. Diodoc is run by two sisters from Sweden who are some of the coolest, sweetest women you'll ever meet. Feminine hygiene is a real thing. And to be honest, there's not that many good products out there for us. And it matters what you put in those areas. There's no way I'm putting chemicals on my lady parts. A lot of people don't know this, but you're not supposed to use regular soap down there because it's going to mess with like your natural pH balance, which can cause like odor or rash or something you don't want to happen to happen. <laughs> um, so I like that Diodox products match your natural balance. So like you don't really have anything to worry about. Right. And we've both been using them. And I love the wash. I actually got in the shower this morning, Jamie, and I was excited. I'm like, time for my Diodox wash because it smells so good. I use the jasmine pear and the wipes. I literally cannot leave home without them. Now I'm kind of obsessed. I have them in my like makeup bag. I have them in my car. And the truth is, you guys, we're not fresh all the time. And these give you peace of mind, especially if you want to see your partner. It's been a long day and you've got no time to go home and shower. They're great for pre-sex. They're great for post-sex. Even if you're not going to have sex, like if it was just hot out and you were in a sundress and you're like sweating a little bit, you know, and you're just like, I probably could use a little refresher right now. Right. So we cannot wait for you guys to try Diodoc and meet the sisters. We're hoping they call into the show soon, right, James? Yes. So try Diodoc for yourself. Just go to sexwithemily.com slash Diodoc. That's sexwithemily.com slash D-E-O-D-O-C today. You got a boyfriend? Because uh, my man E here, he just got his heart broken. He thinks you're kind of cute. A girl's got to have her standards. Oh, my. Do women know about shrinkage? Isn't it common knowledge? What do you mean? Like laundry? It shrinks? Can we not talk about sex so much? Are you kidding me? Oh, my God. I feel so good. Being bad feels pretty good. But you know, Emily's not the kind of girl you just play with. You're listening to Sex with Emily. We're talking about sex, relationships, and everything in between. For more information, go to sexwithemily.com. Go there right now. Check out our website. We've got so many great blogs and videos and podcasts that can help you have better sex and relationships, which is what I am all about. You can also easily subscribe to the podcast and also take our survey. First of all, here's where you find it. It's sexwithemily.com slash August. And you can also find it on all of our social media, which is at sexwithemily across the board. It just takes you a few minutes. And I want to know a little bit more about you, the listener, what you're into sexually, relationship wise, but also get a little bit of feedback about the podcast. Because as you know, I'm always trying to make a better show that will continue to um, help you all change your life. I just want to do good work for you all so you have better sex 
and relationships. So check it out. Check out our survey. And this is going to say, you guys always kill it with our surveys. This is amazes me. Sometimes I'm reading a survey. I read a lot of different, you know, sex studies that come out. And they're like, in a survey of a thousand people, I'm like a thousand people. We put up surveys and we have like 10,000 of you answer. So Thank you all for always being uh, supportive to our information gathering process. So check that out. I appreciate it. And okay, on to my guest. I'm so excited to have my guest on the show today. She is a new friend and a new inspiration in my life. Lisa Bilyeu. Hi, Lisa. What's up, honey? We are sitting here in her home and her studio where I just did. She's got a new show coming out called Women of Impact, but it is not her first rodeo. Lisa is truly an inspiration. She's a world-class entrepreneur. She is a co-founder of the billion-dollar company Quest Nutrition that she built alongside her husband from scratch, which I'm just so amazed by her story. It's really inspiring. She started in her right on your living room floor. Is where I shipped the first balls. She shipped yeah. it. And and I, I love Quest. I met her. I'm like, I love Quest. But she's doing so many more things now as well. She turned her talents to marketing, helped with her second division within Quest. Um, she's got an in-house media department. We're sitting, we're, this is your in-house department. We in-house? had, so we built one at Quest, New York Quest. Um, and then decided that it still wasn't giving us enough fulfillment. So then we built four more sets in our house. So when you were Quest, her team was responsible for producing content that has been viewed over 200 million times. She's the co-founder and president of Impact Theory, host of Women of Impact. Her mission is really to create impact in the world and empower women of all ages to see and believe they can be anything they set their minds to. You truly, you are doing that through all the work you've been doing with your husband, Tom, speaking, teaching, working to help build things that actually matter. You were the co-host of the Sheroic podcast, which I loved. Thank I you. I binged on Thank it. Thank you. About female empowerment, and you continue to do that. And she's on Instagram. It's at Lisa Bilyeu, L-I-S-A-B-I-L-Y-E-U. And so I met Lisa because I was here a few months ago doing the Mind Pump podcast, which I know you guys have all loved the show. The Mind Pump guys are amazing. And I came in, I walked into this beautiful home on Mulholland Drive, which I've lived in Los Angeles for over five years now, I think I went to another party up here, but we just all kind of stay in our little areas mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. And it's this like beautiful home. We've built a studio and you and your husband, and I met you guys after the show and I was like, I, she's adorable and she's a powerhouse and smart. And you guys said you did a thing on Facebook, which we, I didn't really know. And I look I'm like, they just seem cool. And then you listened to the show and you reached out to be a part of your show. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, let's, let's get, di-. you would listen to the Mind Pump show after yeah. it came out. And then we had dinner, and like, this doesn't happen a lot. I have to say, I meet a lot of cool, interesting people, but we had this great dinner. We went to Boa Steakhouse, which, which I love in Los Angeles, and we, like, didn't stop talking for hours. And I come to find out that she is this amazing entrepreneur and a powerhouse. Um, everything you touch has just really had a major impact. And I'm a huge fan of Quest Nutrition Bar, which are literally everywhere on the planet now, <laughs> I believe, right? They've Pretty much, out. yeah. But you've also, also followed your own dreams and you've worked really hard with your husband. And so what I love is they got married 19 years ago? What, we've been together ago? for 18 years okay. and we've been married for 16 years. Okay. So I was young. I was 21. So young. Yeah. And you met, he was your teacher. He was. <laughs> I love that story. And the fact that you are, you met in school, you had this little crush that it became your romance. And then through all of this, because nothing was handed to her or her husband, they built a company from scratch that they sold. It was grew in record time. Sold yeah. for a billion dollars. We it grew, still continues. So yeah, we um, grew 57,000%. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I don't even know what that means either. It's a lot. <laughs> a lot of zeros. Um, 
Yeah, within three years. And so we went from zero to a billion dollars within five years. Um, and we're announced as the second fastest growing company in North America. The funny thing is when we hit number two, everyone was like, shit, we didn't get to number one. But it keeps you hungry. Yeah. Um, and then a year later, the number one company, actually, we filed for bankruptcy. So we're like, hmm, does that <gasps> technically mean that? Are you number one now? Um, no, then? not any longer. It's right. like they take a certain period of time. So it's like within three years, how quickly have you grown? And we'd grown 57,000%. And the number one spot some, grew something like 58,000%. But in, in a year, they ended up going bankrupt and Quest is still around. So. Yeah. so that is really impressive. And the other thing was just hearing the stories about you and Tom because it's, first of all, marriage isn't easy. Being in a long-term marriage isn't easy. And then you guys work together, build a company together. Being an entrepreneur is one of the biggest challenges. There's so many ups and downs. But besides the fact that you're just a kick-ass, supportive, hilarious woman who's like smart, insightful, funny, and I literally think we were like competitive talking in the really positive way. Like, oh my God, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Back and forth. I was like, your marriage is just adorable not to even downplay it. like just Thank how you. do you guys get through this and I thought you have to come on my show and share the story so can you tell me a little bit about how you guys met and the whole like how you continue to let's talk about your story about how you met yeah so going back like he was my teacher but I wasn't it was a t- um, school for adults we were doing filmmaking and I had got a degree in England felt like I still didn't get enough experience in the directing world found a brochure that basically advertised the New York Film Academy in Los Angeles and you got to go on the back lots of Universal Studios it's a private so you pay money and you just go so it's like this is a dream come true I get to film I get to be in America which I was obsessed with I want to be the first female movie director to ever win an Academy Award I sadly didn't get there because Catherine Bigelow beat me to it. And so I was like, cool, I'll go to America. I'll go for three months and I'll study for two and I'll have a blast. and It'll be a great story and great experience. Cut to me walking into first day. Tom is standing there and he was my teacher. And he's only four years older than me, but he was teaching a class. And yeah, um, the first month he completely ignored me, which of course just got me even more interested. Um, And eventually when he asked me out on a day, I was like, okay, this is going to be really fun. Like I'm going to hook up with my teacher. He's American. It's going to, you know, the summer (laughs) fling. It's going to be a great story for me to tell my friends when I go back to England. Um, And when I'm 90, I can say, yeah, you know, to my grandkids. um, Yeah, your grandmother was once called and she had a (laughs) fling with an American. He just got out of a relationship relationship where she went a little nutso so he's like this is fantastic she has to legally leave the country because a visa only allows her to stay for so long so on our first day we were both brutally ourselves because there was no like you know trying to you know a lot of women like they try not to be like too full-on the guy tries to be cool and you know romantic and but we literally on our first day he kind of said things about sex about relationships I'd never heard a guy be so honest about and it was that honesty that I was then drawn to because I was like no guy's ever been this honest before so I think our relationship stems from just like that starting point where we were so brutally ourselves we weren't trying to pretend to be different people we weren't trying to put on the airs and graces or anything like that and um, we've lived like that to this day now look of course we've had hurdles but our biggest thing is our communication and our honesty even if you think that it may hurt the other person's feelings if you can do it with approach it with respect and understanding um, and compassion you have to be honest for both 
both of your sakes. So you have to say the hard things. You can't hide. You can't pretend. We don't even tell each other white lies. So to the point where one time I forgot to give my puppy, um, he was out on business. I forgot to give my puppy medication. Um, and it was just, you know, he okay. takes it every day. And it was once it wasn't going to kill him. <laughs> but like I completely forgot. And the next day I felt so guilty. I felt like a terrible mother. I felt like, oh my God, he's going to judge me. But I was like, I have to tell him. Because even by not right. telling him, I felt like I was lying. Right. And our relationship is built on 100% transparency. So I literally was like, I'm so sorry. I forgot it. And he's like, it's all right, babe. It's, you know, like he's right. not going to die. It's fine. But I had to tell him. And that's kind of a good example of how we build up we yeah. build our relationship. I mean, I think we're hearing that. It's like there are so many rules that people have around dating. Like, you can't, And I've even talked around the show, like probably shouldn't talk about your exes in the first date or what you hated about them and all these things. But there's a certain level of, of brutal honesty that life is too short to play games. Mm-hmm. So you guys kind of cut right to it. And you're like, well, we're being really honest because you kind of had that false belief that it wouldn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. But I'm just wondering, like what a great tip for people listening if they're going on a date, just to be yourself, like bring yourself to the table. I mean, Bring who you are right up there on the first date. I'm not saying you have to share every deep, dark thing, but there is a level of like, don't pretend to be something you're not Mm -hmm. because then you got to keep up that facade forever. You might as well be real. So you guys have been together now. So that was was super honest. And you, I mean, you, you started with a level of honesty. You know, it made me think about this. My mother said to me, always said this to me, and I remember this. She said, the issue you have, the issues you have on the third date you have forever Hmm. And I've never actually asked someone that's in a long-term relationship. So if you had to think about the challenges you have, was there anything that's present now maybe that was still, that was present on the third date? I'm going to say something that may seem tiny, but in the scale of things, I think can be a big issue. He's really messy and I'm really tidy. And so on that first day, he invited me back to his place. Now, of course, he keeps saying like, oh, I'm not the type of guy that wants sex on the first, the first day. Of course, I go back to his place and he proposes sex. And I'm just like, I thought you were the guy that didn't want sex on the first day. But I go to his place and it's a mess. And the funny thing is in knowing Such him. A good, that's a great example, though, actually. It's not tiny. Thing, but it, it may seem silly. And I think that that's where people get trapped. It's like, well, I'm not really going to, you know, nitpick. And, you know, but the problem is, is that that can, it's like dust settling, right? One thin layer of dust after you've you know wiped the slate clean one thin layer isn't too bad you don't really see it it's not a big deal it doesn't feel dirty but you do 10 years of layers of dust that you've right. never wiped away that becomes a, you know a crazy amount of dirt right. so for us like so it may seem small but it was one of those things that um we actually would like really butt heads over as we started to get deep into our relationship like for instance making the bed i was brought up is it may seem silly but you make your bed every morning and one time it really bugged me because i would clean the house i would be super tidy and he just wouldn't care and i felt like that was almost a reflection of how the respect so i'm like oh you don't respect me enough to make the bed and until we had the real raw conversation he's like no i think of myself as i only have a certain amount of hours in my day if I have a certain amount of hours and I've got a goal to achieve does making the bed move me towards my goal or away from my goal and if it moves me away from my goal babe then I'm not going to do it and I need you to understand that this is fundamentally who I am and so immediately I was like wow that was so enlightening because it wasn't like you're just freaking messy it was like wow he's really thought about why this is a waste of time because he used to get angry with me for asking him and until I understood why he would get angry, right. I used to think like, but you're disrespecting how tidy exactly. the house is. So when he was very honest about that and saying it was more about 
um, how he felt and his goal in life. Right. I was like, well, shit, I'm not going to bug You're you like, about the bed, bed now. Nothing. Right, exactly. Yeah. It seems like a very little thing. I mean, I think it doesn't have to be these huge things, but it's little tiny mm-hmm. things that don't change. What do you think he would say about you? Um, that I focused tidiness over other things that were more important. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> well, I think that's a great yin-yang. Yeah. So my mm. curiosity is they always say like it's really, it could be really hard to... Like I said, be an entrepreneur, but then also how do, how do you guys work together and play together? What do you think that you've done? Like to, how, how do you do all of this? How do you do it all? Yeah, the, it's, I love the question because it comes down to um, a simple rule that we have is what is your position in that dynamic? And what are your responsibilities? So think about, for instance, if you go for a job interview, you know what job title they want, right? Okay, so I need the CEO, Right. Okay. Well, what are the responsibilities of a CEO? Okay. They're responsible for X, Y, and Z. So we literally sat down and we said, what is that in our relationship? What is your role? What is my role? What are your positions? What's my positions? What are your responsibilities? What are my responsibilities? Now, the interesting thing is, is sometimes what you want your position to be isn't necessarily what your partner wants your position to be. So we had both columns. So one column is what do I like if I'm the wife? Okay, what does that mean to me as the wife? But babe, what does it mean to you for me to be a good wife to you? And do things overlap? Do things come into conflict? Um, Same with him. What am I looking for in a husband? I want a guy um, who when someone robs me, right, breaks into my house, I want to turn to him and say, babe, you're going to go, but you know, kick his ass. Like, of course, I think I can handle myself. But when you get down to like kind of those nitty gritties of what are the responsibilities as my husband, I want you to be my protector. Now, again, that doesn't mean that I'm a victim. That doesn't mean that I'm, you know, a damsel in distress. Like, trust me, if I have to, if I'm by myself, I'll take care of myself. You see this, this woman here, she could kick your ass. (laughs) She's a tiny little Tough, smart, strong thing. But right, women, do you want to feel protected? Right. And so being able to own that and not feel like, okay, that makes me inadequate. That makes me a weak woman. Um, we had those talks. So I'm trying to picture this talk because I know it's like, did you literally write down a list of what your roles and responsibilities are? Was this one conversation? Was this over time? Because I remember this also, we talked a little bit about it at dinner, but I found it just fascinating because it, it's so logical. I think every couple needs to figure out like mm-hmm. what are your even if it's like you're the one who gets the right, groceries, yeah. I make the bed, you know, whatever it is, you turn off the lights at night. Yeah. It's also important to sort out big and small who pays the bills. And everything for us stems from what's the goal as a couple. So we set that's like you have to set your goal. So before you even do the tactical or the job responsibilities is what's the goal and do we agree on it? All right. So what's the goal of the family? For me and Tom, it was to pursue our dreams in creating um, impact. Okay. So if we know that that, was when you first met 18 years ago. um, hmm, That's a good question. Probably not. It's developed over time, but it was to pursue our dream. And we were both film um, students. So, okay. What is that dream to make movies? All right. Cool. So if we agree, we want to make movies. We want to be directors. We want to be writers. What does that entail? Okay. That's going to take a shit ton of hard work. Okay. So now if we agree, it's going to take a shit ton of hard work. What are the things that could get in the way of that? So like making the bed, like, so, cause I was used to doing things like that, the housewife things. Right. And he would say, okay, does that move to us towards our goal or does it not? And so we would literally write all the things we want and then decide, is that the right move to then do? So we did that initially in our, um, when we first got together, but it evolves, right? It you does grow, keep evolving. you change. Right. 
are you constantly talking about these things in your yes. relationship and like where is it now where yes a hundred percent because mm-hmm. when we had decided we were going to pursue film we went down the route of trying to make our own short films write our own movies and then realized okay this isn't going to work because you have to go to people with your hand out to try and get money right to finance your movies so tom turned around he's like okay we have to make our own we have to make our own money that means we need to get into business all right what does that business look like so again we then sat down again and said okay what does this mean if he's going to do 14 18 hour days at work then someone needs to then take care of the house all right babe so i'll we'll decide i'll be the housewife i didn't like that word (laughs) so he actually gave me the title of seat president and ceo of (laughs) billu enterprises (laughs) which just meant i took care of the house but the title mattered to me, made right, me feel it's good. Better than how, right, yeah. for you, better than housewife, I right. get it. So we said, okay, so what does that look like? Okay, I'll stay at home, I'll support. You don't have to think of anything. So for you to be able to crush it for that long every single day, I don't want you to think about the bills, the house. All right, so what are our activities? All right, so that means I have to take care of X, Y, and Z. You have to do X, Y, and Z. So then as we developed and then we went into Quest, he turned around, he's like, I need your help. So him and his, his two business partners were like, hated their business they were doing it was they were sucking their soul and as the wife I was like I can't keep doing this because as my husband I can see that you're you're miserable now and you're not the same human that you know I'm married you don't have that spark so as a couple we sat down again and we said okay what are our goals now all right we're going to start this new business what does that mean well they couldn't give up the other company it was what was bringing in the money Mm -hmm. so we're like we'll do this on weekends so that means Lisa you need to help all right babe so what do I need to do okay you need to ship bars you need to weigh the ingredients where you have to get rolling pins we need to rent a kitchen so we started making protein bars in our spare time while he was him and his business partners were still going to work every day. And then as I started to, doing that and I started like shipping from our living room floor and then we had enough orders that I was shipping from our friend's garage and then, oh my God, we've got enough orders, we need a, a facility. I was pretty much the only one that kind of knew shipping. So I just kept going and I ended up doing that for over two years. I built our shipping department from zero to $80 million in revenue. I had 40 employees under me and I went from a housewife to this. (laughs) I had no idea what I was doing, but I knew I couldn't let my husband and my partner in crime down because he, he was responsible for one thing. I was responsible for the other. So for what I was responsible, I had to learn. Now in learning though, I started having to overcome challenges. So for instance, our first office was in Compton and our first employees were all gang members or ex-criminals. They work really hard and it's people who really wanted a different life. So it wasn't like, you know, well, we were just slumming it. It These guys were hard workers. The problem is a certain attitude that comes with it. And working in the warehouse for me, building the shipping department, I had guys that were six foot, I'm five foot one, right? right? And I'm, you know, I've got the British accent and, you know, but I would have guys six foot, six foot five with tattoos on their neck, criminals. And I was like, I can't let them rule me I can't let them destroy the company so I had to show them who was boss so uh, my personality had to change the way that I would communicate with people had to change so I went from being super nurturing kind of I wouldn't say timid because I was always like quite a like strong-willed woman but my personality changed so I had to sit down with Tom again because I was becoming a different type of wife so he said to me baby you're hardening and we had that conversation. Wow. What did that look like, though? You're hardening. Like, it was, were you hardening with him as well yeah. or just in the workplace? So explain that to me. Like, um, because I was at the workplace having to be very um, decisive, 
right? Not like, oh, whatever you want. It's like, no, this is my fucking company. I right. better make sure that I make the right decision. So if someone came with me to a problem, I had to make a hard decision. I had to make it as a strong woman because there can't be any doubt. Right. The second your employees or your people see that you're not confident in your decision, they don't trust you. Right, they don't, exactly. They're not going to turn to you as a leader. And I noticed that. So I was like, all right, I have to be very confident. I have to make decisive decisions. I can't take people's emotions into account. Which is a very male way of being. So how do you mm-hmm. think that, in a way, we call it male now, but mm-hmm. we all have to adapt to those to those traits, I guess. So was there a way that Tom was a was a meant? Did he teach you those things? He was like, listen, no. baby, you got to go in. You got to make decisions. You no. just kind of bobbed and yeah. we figured it out. I, so I literally figured it out now because he was running marketing. We weren't with each other every day. We were working in the same company. But on a daily basis, I was in the warehouse right. with 40 employees getting product in, shipments in, shipments out, dealing with GNC, dealing with the big companies. And he was over in the marketing department and R&D and working with those guys. So it was our daily activities were different. So he started to notice this difference when we were at home. So you'd come home and you'd be like, babe, get the, <laughs> get the meals it, it, together. <laughs> I don't know, but I don't know if it was like that, but there was definitely hardening where sometimes he would say something and I wouldn't be um, sweet about it anymore. Right, so the snap, snap or whatever. I, yeah, just like no, I don't want that. What are you doing? You know, like <laughs> he's like whoa, whoa. Yeah, and so <laughs> wife, right? Because he wasn't used to that. Right. And so we sat down, and he was very honest with him. He said, "We need to address this. We need to address to see if it's the right move for us as a relationship." So it's like okay, and he said, "Okay, babe, look, I've never seen you happier than I've seen you now." So step one, mm-hmm. always want good things for your partner, no matter what that means. Mm-hmm. So he's like, "I want good things for you, babe," and I see how happy you are, and so. If you're really happy doing this, but you have to harden to do this position. He recognized that. He's like, so as a team, because we we think of it as we're two people on the same team, right? Playing in a league. Mm-hmm. Not we're on opposing teams, right? So in tennis, it's not like he's one side of the net Such and I'm the other. It's a big lesson, I think, that you're, for people to look at it is that your, your relationship, even whether you're working in business or not, it is a partnership. Mm-hmm. You both want the same things. You're not working separate. Mm-hmm. separate. You're right. It's not tennis. Yeah. Yeah. So he was like, I love, I love seeing the joy in your face. I love seeing the sparkle in your eye. If this means that your personality is changing in order to become this, he's like, I support you. But there's a fine line. And then we spoke about what that fine line is and how I somehow, you know, leave that partly at work. And that when I'm at home, he still wants the nurturing wife. And he was honest. He's like, I still want a wife that nurtures me. So it's like, cool, I respect that. Um, because I'm still making demands of him as my husband. And it's right. okay to do that. But I think you have have to have that open communication and then get each other's buy-in right like do you buy into this right that's so so specific that he was able to you both were able Mm. to do this the two of you it just seems like it is operating like a business but there's still a sweetness and a romance Mm -hmm. to it and a and a real love and connection that kept growing not taking like this could this relationships could totally blow apart with this kind of pressure you guys mm-hmm. had so i guess what you're saying is it really does all come down to really just communication yeah 100 percent. because we even said you know at quest and even with impact theory is at quest he was the president of the company and at impact theory he's the ceo and you know it's like small little differences but he's still technically my boss and so we sat then now on paper impact theory we're 50 50 and i didn't even ask him for that he came to me in fact he turns around to the lawyer and he's like 
create the the biggest divorce nightmare. He's like, because I need my wife to know that she brings just as much value to the company as I do. Now, from my point of view, I'm like, babe, I don't think I do. And that's not to minimize what I do at all. I feel freaking confident right. of what I bring to the table. And I think that this company couldn't run without me, but I don't think I bring more to the table or just as much as he does. He, so I was like, babe, if you want to do 51% and 49, like there's no dent to my ego right. there at all. And he's like, no, hell no. Um, because this company can't run without you. And I want you to know that even if, and he even says like, if you went and cheated on me t- t- with 10 different people, he's like, you still deserve half because we're able to separate the business and the emotional. Right. But in saying that, it doesn't, it's not easy, right? I don't want this to sound like right. it's a fairy tale. There are moments where we disagree about what to do with the company. So we revert back to what was our agreement. Okay, the agreement is he's a visionary. And he's great at that. And from an unbiased perspective, from the outside, I can legitimately say he's like he's next level on a vision on what we do with the company, where we go. So I'm in. Like, I believe in him. Right. I believe that he should. He's the right person for the job. And so because I know he's the right person for the job, if we disagree and he can't convince me, we're like, OK, well, we've agreed in our sober moments. Right. We call that not being in that moment <laughs> right. of emotion. In our I so- love that. Let's just say it's a sober moment, but it's not being caught up in emotion, yeah. which can be very tricky to separate yeah. off in all the times emotion from the actual, the facts and what's really going on. Right. So. Which is why you have to agree in your sober moments because the moment you get into the emotion. Oh, the sober and the emotions. Yeah. yeah so we the sober facts and then the emotions. Exactly. So we've decided in our sober moments that if we come to a head and we both agreed on this, if we came to a head and we disagreed and he couldn't convince me and I couldn't convince him, who gets final? say and we both agreed it makes sense for him and i'm very okay with that um but in the house the house yeah yeah it's different so we've agreed if there's something about the functioning of the house like for instance there's 23 people that work at my house every single day and i get final say and so if there's certain things that are important to me like okay i don't want this to be done i don't want employees to do this or or i don't think that this room should be taken over or emotionally i don't like the fact that this happens like he respects it. I get the final say and I make the, the decision. Um, That's so we, fair. You guys sit down. I mean, really, like I, I was listening to the way you guys communicate and the way you guys really cover all these base. You know, people don't even have a business together and their home is just, you go to have separate jobs, separate lives. I think that's such a great example for people to think about. Where are you a team? Whether you have kids or just about who decides mm-hmm. what you watch on Netflix. Like you need to talk about They're not just going to sort themselves out because resentments do build over time. Oh my God. They really yeah. do. So let's talk about how when it was so busy during those times or even now, how do you keep the romance going? So that's um, another thing not to, in fact, yes, we get very strategic on it. <laughs> You know, and people are like, oh, but doesn't that pull the romance out? No, not at all. Because for me, it's about, first of all, it's the time, right? We're so busy. He's so busy. And so it's like, when do we find the time? So I think time is very important. Um, I We deal with the way, um, the world the way it is, not the way the world we hope it should be. Right. So we say, well, how is the actual world? The truth is, is that I get needy way before he does. I don't take like that always. Person. You just know that you're yeah, going to get needed for his attention and his affection. For like, he's so driven and focused on work that he may not realize that we've gone two weeks without having a date night. Right? He just won't think about it, and that doesn't mean that he doesn't love me any less. It's just I, I get talking that's about the so female imp- brain, right? The female brain. That's such an important. I just want to say that it's such an important distinction that we often project onto our partners. This whole like they're doing it because they don't love me and they're against me. I'm 
pretty convinced that if your partner's with you, they want you to be happy. They mm-hmm. want you to have your needs mm-hmm. met. Mm-hmm. And you guys know that intrinsically. You just feels like you, you get it. So right. date night. You're like, yeah, say, so he wants to make me happy. It's just his markers are not the same as my markers. So we've agreed, okay, what's the key? Communication. All right, babe. So if I know that I get to that point before you, I'm going to speak up. And what are the rules of engagement? The rules of engagement then become, I talk to him, I pull him aside and say, babe, I need date night. And so he'll typically say, which is sometimes now I kind of bypass even telling him, I go straight to our assistant. I'm like, I need date night. Let's put it in the calendar. I want it scheduled because otherwise we'll keep going. So it's important to recognize. So now we do um, at least, we try to do at least once a week. Every Saturday is our date day. And so we book it, we schedule it. It means we put our phones it's your down. Sacred time. It's our sacred time. And then we sit down on that day and say, what are we, our selfish desires? Okay, let's go. To, <laughs> I, I was self my chair. We were, you know, I'm like, I love selfish desires. Let's talk about that. And then we're going to get into some new stories. And I want you to help me answer some questions Sounds from the great. people. But I loved, I came back. I was like, listen to this. Let's talk about selfish desires. Yeah, so... Um, people live very busy lives, right? I don't think it's just me and Tom who have a business together. I think it's when you've got a family and you're running around with your kids and it's play dates and, you know, people are working and you, at some point you want time for yourself. It doesn't mean you don't want to be with your partner. It doesn't mean that you don't love them, but it just means, you know what? I freaking need alone time. Oh, I want selfish time. I want to sit in front of the TV and watch, you know, the Real Housewives of <laughs> Beverly Hills and I just want to indulge. Like, that's okay. And it's important, I think, to prioritize those things as well. So what we do is we have um, selfish desires. So we sit down every week and we say, all right, we've got time with each other. Saturday's blocked off. What is your selfish desire? It could be, hey, I just want to stay in bed all day and have sex. Cool. Great. Be honest. It may be I want to watch crappy movies. It may be I want to swim. I want to read. Whatever it is. And we... For the right. weekend coming the, up, what's your selfish exactly. desire? So maybe you'll talk about it on Thursday. Right. Okay. Or in fact, to be honest, sometimes it's, we <laughs> do morning. it on the day, right. yeah, Saturday morning. And so we have that discussion every single date day or night. We have that discussion. And so we go, okay, what are the things you want to do today? And we figure out, A, how do we make sure that it happens? And then B, how do we make sure that we then do things together? So um, let's say he wants to read and I want to swim. All right, so I'm going to swim, bring your book down by the pool, and now I feel like we're hanging out. I can, every time I'm doing a lap, I can look up, I can wave at you, you can blow me a kiss, and, you know, then we get what we want. you're still together, there's still intimacy, but it doesn't mean you have to block off the whole day and you're going, you're going, whatever, couples are hiking or movies, exactly. which is just the two of you. Exactly. Because we all have lives too, we have busy lives, you still want to swim, you still want to watch TV and exactly. work out. Exactly. Or like if he wants to, sometimes he's like, look, I really have to work. I just need an hour, but I have to work. Um, I want to respect that because I understand we've made goals together. And for him to for him to achieve that, he needs to do that. So I say, all right, babe, can you put on, bring up your laptop, sit with me in bed with your laptop. I'll watch TV, but I'll get to cuddle him. Yeah. So literally he types with one hand sometimes. I'm like cuddled in the nook of his arm and I'm watching my crappy TV right. and he's and you're together. Yeah. See, I love that. See, that's very innovative. Um, it's like a business in a relationship. Exactly. And then, so that's where how we get our selfish desires. But then we do say, okay, let's go out for dinner. What do you want? And then sometimes one of us will trump the other one. You got to choose dinner last time. I'm going to choose dinner this time. And we put, you know, try to put our phones away and um, 
you know, then we just become super engaged with each other and we're having one-on-one time with each other. Or we play video games, which is amazing um, because you get to, going back to it's yeah. not tennis, you're on the same team. Yes. Um, it's a real way of us kind of like rooting each other, like, all right, babe, I've got your back. Someone's coming from the right. I've just shot him for you. Like, we, we really do, like, because it's a shooting game that we right. play. And we're what on game the same do you play? team. Uh, Destiny. Okay. Destiny 2. I don't know, but I know that my boyfriend keeps saying, please just watch video we games. We spoke about we this. And I haven't done it yet. You but really he, have to. Okay. Because You're inspiring me and he'll be so happy. Like, babe, bring up the and his, video game. And the first reason how he got me to play video games was he was like, you know, A, first of all, like, I'd really love you to play. But he's like, you know how meaningful it'd be for, for you just to sit with me and play for an hour? Even if you're bad, babe, it would be so meaningful. And I was like, you know what? What a great when, word yeah, phrasing of it too. Yeah, it's all in the phrasing. So I was it like, is. you know what, babe, I'll, I'll do that. Um, and so... That same day, going back to Selfish Desires, he wanted to play video games and I wanted to go shopping. So he said, all right, babe, if you play video games with me for an hour, I'll come shopping with you. I was like, cool, let's do it. So we went shopping together and he's very smart. <laughs> I know he, I know it was a strategy. It was a very smart strategy. But he came shopping and he's like, all right, babe. Like we walk into the shop and he's like, what are you looking for? And I was like, I'm thinking about some pants. He's like, all right, I'll attack this section. You attack that section. I'm going to pull some pants that I think you look really sexy on and I'll give it. And before I, he was so engaged. <laughs> and I was like, this is the best shopping experience of my life. And I get it. The reason why he was doing it was when I go home to play video games, I'm not bitching and moaning like, right. I can't fucking believe you're making me play video games. Because that's the other part. Like, if you're going to do something for your partner, do it with a smile. And when I went home, I was getting shot left, right, and center. But I was giggling and I was laughing because I knew, A, how much it meant to him. And B, what sweetness he just did for me. exactly. It is a quid pro quo. You do have to kind of give to receive, receive to give. Mm -hmm. I think we forget we get in this victim mode with our partners. I think that's really, really inspiring. I love that you guys, I love how you guys, really it is this case of communication that I have not heard the detail, this level of detail and intricacies that you guys have, have gone through. It is very, a lot of it just seems, it's, it's business, a lot mm-hmm. of it is business strategies and how you deliver, but it's just, it kind of just works and it's, it's even inspiring me. I know, thank I you. love it. So thank you for sharing all oh, that. Sure. Lisa, Bill, you, okay, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to get some sex and news and then answer your emails and um, we'll be right back. Everyone, thanks for supporting our sponsors. I love you all. The other day, my friend at Adam and Eve called to ask me if I wanted to give away free vibrators to my audience. I said no. I'm kidding. Of course I said yes, but only for a very limited time when you use code EMILY at adamandeve.com. They're going to send you a free pocket rocket with your order. Pocket rockets are great little vibrators. They're perfect for clitoral stimulation alone or with a partner. They're super easy to use and compact enough to stash anywhere. Oh, on top of the free pocket rocket, Adam and Eve will also chop 50% off the price of almost any single item and ship the whole order for free. To get in on this deal, just go to adamandeve.com and enter code EMILY at checkout. I suggest you do it before they realize just how many of you are out there. Something magical happened this year. The magic wand turned 50. Just think about how much the world has changed over the last 50 years. I'm talking disco to dubstep, payphones to cell phones. I mean, do you realize the magic wand came out a full year before we landed on the moon? That blows my mind. There's a reason the magic wand has stood the test of time. It's just that freaking good. Time Magazine named it one of the most iconic inventions. Cosmo calls it the little black dress of vibrators. In other words, it's the one vibrator you need to have. In case you haven't seen one at any point over the last 50 years, the magic wand is a full-size massager. And yes, it works great on the shoulders too. For most women, its power and size make it the ultimate clitoral vibe. I call it the sure thing. 
And because things get better over time, you now have two models to choose from. The original plug-in version for constant power or the variable speed rechargeable version for cordless convenience. I've been obsessed with my magic wand since before I started the show. I even had my nightstand modified so I could keep it plugged in from inside the drawer. That's how much I love a magic wand. If you haven't tried one, what are you waiting for? Just go to magicwandemily.com. That's magicwandemily.com to order yours today. Okay, Lisa, help me with this. There is a study that came out. Well, here's the question. Does women making more money cause a strain in marriage? So this is an age-old stereotype that men were the sole breadwinners of the house and women tended to stay home. And now that tale has flipped. According to some new data from the Bureau of Labor, it says 29% of women in heterosexual marriages make more than their spouse. Now, that might not seem like much, but it's definitely an increase in 1987. It was only 18% of wives. So instead of the celebration, though, according to several reports, many women fear this could end their relationship. Another study from the University of Chicago found that a wife making even $5,000 a year more than her husband was associated with a greater risk of divorce. So the biggest issues, though, are communication and support. Confront the money issues you have head on instead of letting them fester. Understand that there are more ways um, than a partner can contribute that money. What do you think about this? Like about do you have any, you know, the impact of money in a relationship or just too many friends? This has been a situation with where if the woman makes more um, in a relationship um, or what do you think about I that? I think it's very real. Um, and I think it comes down to what are your expectations in that marriage and what are your needs? Um, does your husband or the man need to be earning more money because they feel like it's, they're more of a, it's more masculine Um is that like from low self-esteem because they're not feeling like that in other areas of their life? Um, is that something that the woman also agrees? Like, what is your need from your partner? Um, as an example, um, Tom, for like the last two years almost, we've been really building his social. Like, I create massive, like just tons of content. And it really is just to build Tom and his social platform. And then I started doing Sheroic and then Women of Impact. And part of me like was like, oh, what if I get bigger than him? Mm-hmm. And so funny women, we automatically want to play small. Yeah. And that's how we're wired. Yeah. And I literally like, I, I was like, I have to talk to him about this because I don't, I don't want to not, right? Like if I'm right. going to do something, I'm going to go all in. I want to be the freaking best in the right. world. So like, I'm, I don't want my husband like to feel bad, but I need to talk about it right now before it happens. And Even the fact that you had that thought. Yes. Yeah. I, I was like, I th- I'm thinking this, right. so I need to talk to him about it. So I was trying to like pussyfoot around it a little like, and I was like, so what do you think about like the new show? and like what if it gets big and and he was like and he figured out what I was trying to say like after all this time I should have just come out and say it but um so he figured it out and he's like look babe he's like I want good things for you that's my primary goal and he's like if that means that you're going to freaking be the biggest in the world he's like I'm going to help you get there and whatever I can do to help you get there because how he would feel it would just be like that's not fair on you like your success shouldn't be a reflection of how that's making me feel on the negative and so we just had the honest conversation he's like no go freaking crush it you better be the best in the world you better represent the billion name but was I that your own thing then do you think it's kind of sometimes we ask like you were worried about if he's bigger like do you guys ever get competitive in your relationship because you built something together and you work together so there's yeah. a certain level of that no no not no. at all um because going back to we're playing we're on yeah. the same team yes. and we're 
it's so true. I think we just all remember that. Yeah. So even if it's like, if somebody is earning $5,000 more, if it's the wife, you know, and the guy starts getting, um, feeling like low self-esteem, I think as a wife, you should sit with them and talk to them about it and just be non-judgmental, right? Non-defensive and say, look, I love what I do. You know, if this was me, right? Um, I would say, baby, I love what I do. I love my job. It's given me so much satisfaction, but I do worry that me earning more than you is actually having a negative impact on you. And I want you to be able to talk to me about it because if it's something that I can help you with and we can do this together, then please let me know what that means. Are you not feeling masculine? Are you not feeling like the dominant alpha male in the family? Okay, well, let's address that. What am I doing in the house that can help Help you with right. feeling like that is there certain decisions you'd like to make that I make like be very honest right and exactly don't push this under the rug or have it be the elephant in the room especially money it's like money and sex are the two biggest mm. killers of divorce and kids so kids money um, and sex are three mm-hmm. of the biggest uh, killers of relationships or reasons for divorce and so I think it is true though this thing about money and I get it it, it is true that men actually Whenever friends tell me, like, yeah, my, my husband or my partner's been feeling kind of sad lately, kind of depressed, I'm like, how's he doing financially? How's he doing with work? And it is true that men, not that it can't impact women, but when men particularly are struggling for, you know, job security, financial, they can immediately feel emasculated, like not as confident due to the, which is kind of, you know, there's to be the gatherer, mm-hmm. the hunter, taking care of their home. And I do think that times are changing. Women are, you know in many ways making as much as men more in certain situations and that just talking about it and saying what are the real things going on here like do you want to be the one that puts on the credit card when we're out to dinner because it could be simple signs like that like where is this money thing really Mm -hmm. a challenge because I don't want any of this to hold women back at all I think the study is saying that it can have an impact but it doesn't have to have an impact and I love what you just said about like the credit card thing like that's so true like I when we go out for dinner I want Tom to pay and look, we have the same credit card. It comes yeah, from the exactly. same account. But like, no, I, I, I want him to take out his credit card and I want him to pay. And that makes him feel a certain way. But that was actually, I think, instigated by me. Yeah, because sometimes he's like, oh, I didn't see the check. And you're like, no, I don't want to get into my wallet. Yeah, just, it's, just- it, it's like the emotional attachment. And don't be afraid to be open about that emotion. Because I think that the second you start to shame it, you start to pretend it doesn't exist. You feel petty saying it out loud. It just spirals out of control. Right. I think that that is just such a great theme of the show right now. That literally, if you're listening show and you're nodding your head you're going oh but I could never say that yeah Lisa's right it's worked for her but my husband's gonna freak out or my partner's gonna freak out I feel like if you're thinking that I want you to put that aside and then go back to wait a minute maybe they won't maybe it could actually bring us together or maybe they will freak out but that's going to give you new ground to play and more information just kind of keep hanging at home and being honest being honest because this stuff, if you don't address these things, they absolutely do grow bigger. They fester and it will just kind of cause you more, wreak more havoc down the road. So yeah. I think that just being honest and being yeah. truthful and communicating about every little thing and is the, so important. Sorry. And the, then the other thing, the last thing I want to add is then address, okay, well, if you don't want me making more money than you, so like what is the actual, like stop living in the fantasy world. If me earning more, $5,000, $10,000, $100,000 more than you, what are you actually looking for? Do you want me to quit? Right? Like just no right. bullshit. What do you actually want to do? Because if it was me and Tom and Tom's like, yes, babe, I want you to quit. I would say, okay, I hear what you're saying. I respect it. But here's why that doesn't sit well with me. I find my identity in my job. I get so much joy out of my job. So it's not just about quitting the job. It's about now you ask me to be a human, the person that I'm not. And if you're asking me to be somebody I'm not, what are the consequences of that? 
I, I think I, I'd be upset. I'd be yeah. depressed. I think I'd struggle, right? Like be real about it. Like you get super. And like, exactly. Get super granular. The thing is, you were, you're very self-aware. People often don't even know what's driving them. So mm-hmm. I guess there is a, what I've also learned from you today is that there is a little bit of work that goes into these conversations, right? So I think we can all kind of think before you have that conversation that's making you so anxious or you're worried how your partner's going to react, really sit down and think about why am I having this conversation? What would be my ideal outcome? You know, what is that going to look like? And I think to start thinking about that you are a team and if you both want the same things, what's the best way to communicate it? Thank you, Lisa. So helpful. I love having you on. This is very insightful and I think you guys are my new model relationship. I know we don't get out of the nitty gritty of it, but it seems like you guys have got this down and um, everyone's going to be just as inspired as I am. Okay, will you help me answer some emails from the people? Let's do it. I would love it. Okay, everyone, thank you so much for emailing me. I love hearing from you. It's why I exist on the planet. You can text Ask Emily all one word to 797979. Fill out the short form or you can go to sexwithemily.com. Click on the Ask Emily tab and include your name, your age, where you live, and how you listen to the show. Okay, you guys, we also do call shows, which I really love doing because you guys I love the emails that you send and they're very in detail. And sometimes I think I wish we could just do a call. So there is a box you can check that says, yes, I'd like to be called. And then we're going to call you and we're going to sort out all your challenges. I can probably change your life in about five minutes or less if I get you on the phone. So let's do that as well. This is from Joe 33, Ohio. I really need help with this one, Emily. My wife and I have been together eight years and have four kids. Recently, my wife decided that we should watch porn together while having sex. We usually have sex six nights a week. Very often, she has an orgasm and then falls asleep before I can have one and then leaves me disappointed. With the whole porn thing, I'm so turned on that I have a hard time not finishing first, which is a wonderful change. I also feel liberated with the porn because now I don't want to watch it alone. I only watch it, watch it with her and I used to feel really bad if I ever did alone. She enjoys watching, but doesn't have the same body as them. So she feels like I'm just getting off to them and she's masturbating me. This is not how I feel though. I just feel that porn enhances it. What can I say to assure that it's still about her? I feel like I've won the lottery, but if I make the wrong move, it'll all come crashing down. I'm so satisfied now that I'm even more into her and it's only brought me closer. We both enjoy watching girls make out with each other. Is that so wrong? A week ago, she suddenly said, we can't do it anymore. But then she wanted to, uh, to the past two nights. Do I just shut my mouth and make it her idea and play it cool? I love you and your podcast, Emily. Thanks. Okay, let's unpack this. There's a lot going on here. First of all, I want to give you an award. Eight years, four kids, and you have six, six nights a week. That's insane. I don't even know how you do that, but you're already coming out ahead here, Joe. That is pretty amazing to me. Now you're saying here, I want to break some things down. You're saying that... That she doesn't have the same body as them, so she feels like, okay, so I can understand this. I have to say that I had this same challenge when I was like, and I've talked about this before, but when I had a boyfriend, I don't know if you had this, Lisa, but I was 25 years old, and it was the first time I really encountered porn with a guy. And to me, he was like the guy who had really opened me up sexually, and we were having great sex, but he brought porn in, and I was like so confused by porn, because I was like, I don't understand how does this mean you want me to have blonde hair and big breasts? Because I don't. And these are the women you're watching. So I felt very inferior. I'm very inadequate. I think a lot of women have that initial reaction. We kind of can't get out of the fact that it turns us on as well because we are so, you know, we want to feel sexy and love. And so self-confidence and her body image is you. That, that is a real, real struggle. So it sounds like she does enjoy the porn, but then she has a really hard time watching it. It's confusing to me also because she's she says she's into it. 
She's not into it because of that because she really wants it. So the thing about self-confidence is it really is an inside job. Mm-hmm. And you can tell her she's beautiful and sexy and smart and all these things, but she still might feel really insecure about it. So one of the challenges, I think, is but she might really like it. So it kind of be like, you know, we often do things. We're like, oh, I'm going to do it. And then we feel bad afterwards. We kind of have a shame yeah. over. So if that is her struggle... I think that you have to keep reinforcing that you do find her sexy and smart or sexy and desirable. But also, there's other kinds of porn you can watch as well. I'm a huge fan of Erica Lust. I've talked about this and I was telling you a little about her porn. It's kind of porn that's made for women by women with the female gaze. So it could be kind of switching up your porn. But I also want to talk about self-confidence in the bedroom. And I'm just curious, Lisa, have you ever dealt with any of this with your own feeling sexy or is there anything um definitely about feeling sexy myself um i'm dealing with health issues i have for the, like the last three years and so i'm in a lot of pain a lot of the time you know um, it's all gut health related so sometimes you know i'm hunched over cramped you know holding my stomach and i can't eat much and so i've lost a lot of weight um for a while my hair was falling out my nails were brittle so i started my confidence i wasn't right. feeling sexy and no matter what time my husband was saying like you're so beautiful I love you oh my god you're so funny right like all the things that a woman wants to hear I didn't feel it and that I think is the biggest key in the question that he says is that she doesn't feel it and so I think that before you even try to convince her in the bedroom it's like what are you what is happening outside the bedroom where she doesn't feel confident where she doesn't feel like maybe she's the apple of your eye and address that and I think for me because it was my health it was affecting my emotions it was affecting chemistry and brain chemistry such a big freaking thing that I think that she's letting that kind of almost getting in the way a little and I know that I did once I addressed my personal emotions outside of the bedroom got that okay what makes me confident how do I do that more of that how do I feel good about myself and then bring that to the bedroom um and I think I think that's so true though it is true that no matter how much our partners you know and it sounds like he does that he tells her she's beautiful and sexy but it is true if we're not feeling it we're not gonna be able to bring it to the table so I would first say that she said she didn't want to do it. And then maybe she might have said to you, let's watch it, babe, because she knows that you like it. So there's a lot of this pleasing that we do. Especially I hear this for women. Like we really do want to please our partners in the bedroom. So I would say like take porn off the table for a little bit as well. And kind of talk to her about what is going on. Because I feel like there's also been this power struggle with you guys where she's having an orgasm, mm-hmm. falls asleep. Now you're having an orgasm quicker. And I feel like there has to be like kind of a reset with you guys. Like this mm-hmm. whole like race to orgasm. And maybe we just take sex and porn off the table for a little, little bit. Which I think the two of you might just need to reconnect again intimately. Because maybe sex has become this six nights a week. We're having it. We're doing it. We're checking it off. And I feel like there might be a little bit loss of intimacy happening here. And I think it's such a great point Lisa that there might be something else going on with her because I don't know how you have four kids in six nights a week and you're having sex and so I want to make sure she her full body and mind is still into it and so I'm kind of sensing here after reading this again that there might be just some other intimacy things so for that I would say perhaps bring back like or if you've never done this before, when you take sex off the table and you focus on reconnecting again, so maybe it's massage or you just give each other back massages or foot massages or you make out. I mean, kissing is often the first thing that goes in long-term relationships. And so I'm just sensing with kids here, there's got to be some time away or maybe you guys take a little road trip together, have parents come over and watch the kids for a night. Couples forget after they have kids that their relationship actually still needs to be first and foremost and on a pedestal. So that's what I would suggest for you guys um and yeah i mean i think porn is great but again also going back to that once you guys sort this out erica less porn is a great way 
to go. I love all of her porn. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you the password. But you guys should all check it out. E-R-I-K-A-L-U-S-D. Okay, this is from Andrea37 in Texas. Hey, Emily, your show is equal parts delightful, informative, and exciting. Thank you. I've worked on myself for the last two years after a painful divorce, although mutual. I've done a lot of work when it comes to romantic partnerships, recognized my relationship, pitfalls and patterns, identified my needs and deal breakers, established healthy boundaries, sign up for dating sites, etc. I live in a smaller, more family-oriented city where there doesn't seem to be a large or appealing dating pool of eligible men. People close to me, including my ex-husband, whose feedback I value, all feel men are intimidated by me. In my recent experience, it seems most men desire the carbon copy woman who's into sports and God and who all will be their next gym and life buddy, which seems so easy and superficial to me. I don't want to have to pretend to be a person I'm not wide date in this worldwide dating web. Am I too jaded? Any advice? Thank you. There's such a shortage of advice for divorced and childless women in their mid-30s. Okay, tell me, Lisa, if you got this sense from Andrea. I feel like she's spending a lot of time building her story. She's so convinced that she's this this independent woman that like that she's intimidating to men and that she's living in a place where no one's going to want her and there's no single people around. Did you get the sense that mm-hmm. she's so convinced that, that mm-hmm. who, who she is? Um, and that I feel like, first of all, there is a really real truth to the fact that you might be living in a, a town that you've gotten too big for. It might mm-hmm. not be your place. I know that I couldn't still live in the town of Michigan mm-hmm. I grew up in. I probably, I would not have had the life I have or met the people, the diverse group of people. So, there's a sense if you're an independent, smart woman in your 30s and you don't have kids, you have an ex there living in Texas, there might be time to move to another town. Because I feel like um, there are a lot of single people. And when I hear that people can't meet someone, I often suggest like, listen, there are single people everywhere and you just got to put yourself out there and continue to try to let everyone know that you're single. Say yes to those invites of parties that you wouldn't normally go to or events you wouldn't go to because you never know who you're going to meet. But I'm also hearing like, you know that she's kind of lis- listening to all these people saying like you're, you know, you're intimidating or I don't know. What was your sense after reading this? Yeah, I mean, I think to be honest, it's fantastic that she's figured out who she is and what she wants in life. And you shouldn't um, not do that because other people don't agree. And I think you're spot on about like if the people around you don't um, agree with you, that's fine. Show them respect and compassion, but, you know, be respectful and disagree. Like that's exactly what I would do. Like totally hear you. I disagree. This is what I want in life. And I'm not going to bring my standards lower just to meet other people's expectations. Um, So if like you said if it's not right for the city she's in that's okay like don't feel bad about that but then make the change and then go and seek what you really desire versus um lower your level of um the type of person that you want to be with just to um, make other people happy or to make it easy on you right nothing's ever easy you want to build a business you've got to freaking work hard (laughs) you've got to overcome the failures Mm -hmm. so it's kind of the same thing Exactly. I think I always think like be the person you want to find. And so it's okay to like exactly to be you. You don't have to lessen yourself and diminish who you are. And what do you think of this notion, though, that I used to hear this a lot, like men are just intimidated by me. I I mean, I hear it as like another excuse sort of for why you can't find somebody, because I don't believe I think that sure some men will be intimidated, but you're also going to find those men who are going to worship the goddess that you are Mm -hmm. because you're so strong, smart and successful. So what do you think about this notion that 
Have you ever find that men are intimidated by you or have you ever had to deal with that? So I do see how it can be a problem. I also want to address though just that when a woman is super confident and um, strong-willed, um, that is amazing. Like if that's the sort of woman you want to be, but sometimes I think it can spill into arrogance. And I think that that's where guys sometimes may feel like you're just too much for me. Um, and so I think that you can be both. You can be a strong woman, independent, strong-willed, confident and show other people tremendous respect and if a guy doesn't feel comfortable being around a woman that is that confident great then they're not right for you but I'm not going to become a timid woman to get a guy right Right. you will eventually find a guy that will respond to the type of person that you are exactly so just keep looking with it and I wouldn't stop turning to your ex who's saying this or that you don't need to talk to any of the other people just keep doing you and yes you're saying am I too jaded any advice yes I think you are a little jaded we're going to pull you out of that and say keep doing you keep dating go outside your city boundaries and you're going to find someone and um for the strong smart beautiful woman that you are lisa i love the show and i feel like you the way you guys handle your relationship communication the way your your drive to make a great relationship and a great business is just really inspirational and can really serve as a great just role model relationship for so many people not that you don't have struggles but i so appreciate your honesty and for um, being so open about your relationship. Thank, Thank you. you for being on the show. Thank you and for having me. And your freaking show rocks, girl, by the way. And I love what you. you're doing. I love how much you empower women to own their sexuality. I think there needs to be more of it, shouting from the rooftops. So whatever I can do to help, I'm on board. Thank you. And re- real quick, tell me about Women of Impact right now, your new series, your new show. I want everyone to, I was a guest on it, but I want everyone to know why they need to rush over and check it yeah, out Yeah, thank you. I mean, and you are a guest on it, which I'm super excited <laughs> so to release excited. that episode. Um, really it does encompass like what takes for an um, a woman to feel like she's empathic when it doesn't have to be on a global scale right it can be impact on your own life it can be impact in your family's life like what type of woman do you want to be and know that you can achieve it just kind of giving women the the notion of be who you want to be so with reason why I was so drawn to you is I think sex is a big part of it I think owning your sexuality as a woman not shying away from it being open allowing yourself to be that sexual being that I think that we're, you know, kind of born to be and not shying away and just like owning it. And for me, it's been so liberating diving into it, feeling like I'm a sexual being and it's really made me confident as a human being. And then that confidence has led me to be confident in my business, confident in my relationship with my husband, confident as a daughter, as a sister, as a wife, you know, every aspect of my life. So that's why I so love you, love what you're doing. I think that... um, it really does influence women, I hopefully, to be the better um, version of themselves. And that's really what the show is about, getting people on to speak all aspects from fitness, entrepreneurship, sex, relationships, everything. I love it. Well, it is really a great service, and I know it will have an impact. So check out Women of Impact. Check out Lisa Bilyeu. Give me your social media. <laughs> it's at Lisa Bilyeu, B-I-L-Y-E-U, Y-E-U. and at Women of Impact. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks for being here. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Was it good for you? Email me, feedback at sexwithemily.com. You know I'm all about your pleasure. I'm a huge fan of finding new ways for you to experience it even more. And for the guys, I know you love your orgasms, but what if I told you you could experience pleasure in a whole new way that's going to completely blow your mind? 
Okay, hear me out. You've probably heard me call the prostate the male G-spot. Well, that's because when stimulated, it can lead to strong erections and incredibly intense orgasms. Yes, I'm talking about prostate play. And whether or not you've tried it before, Aneros knows that prostate stimulation feels amazing. Funny enough, they found this out by accident because their products were originally for health benefits, but they got this incredible feedback. Can you just imagine the feedback? Um, hi, I just had the most incredible orgasm from my butt. Anyway, please meet the new Trident Collection. Each Aneros massager in this lineup hits three areas of stimulation, internally on the prostate or P-spot and externally on the perineum and the K-spot just behind the anus. I know, who knew there were so many spots? Bottom line, these external acupressure points can lead to full body orgasms. Aneros calls this the super O. I call it the holy crap O. I'm sure you'll find some good names for it. And what makes Aneros products unique is that they're self-powered, meaning they don't vibrate or require batteries. Your body's own movement makes the magic happen. Use them on your own or with a partner. The results are explosive. Like all Aneros products, the Trident massagers have been medically researched and are anatomically configured to fit perfectly. They're made from a solid, non-porous, body-safe plastic that is comfortable and easy to clean. I have so much to say about Aneros, and I'll be talking about them more in the future. And you're always asking me for more male toys, so you're welcome. Check out the Trident line for yourself. Just go to sexwithemily.com slash Aneros. That's sexwithemily.com slash A-N-E-R-O-S today.